came about because of an August sermon series called Your Five. What's Your Five? Your Five is a call to target focus five people that you love. Five people that are dear to you, family members, friends, who are not faithful Christians. And we want to reach out to them. We want to help them obey the Lord. Now, this sermon series is a, is a very practical series. It's a very practical book, the book of 1 Peter. And especially this sermon series is a practical series for your five. Because we're talking about things we can do to help your five come to know Jesus and come to obey Jesus. Remember the five steps that we have to follow. We, we, we want to pray daily for those folks. We want to live for Jesus 24-7. We want to encourage them. We want to positively promote God's church, talk God's church up, and we always look for that open door of evangelism. We come to this lesson. You already have a kind of a hint about it because you heard the, the text read, 1 Peter 2.18. The lesson of the day is how to handle a rotten boss. Because guess what? In your life, in your life, you may encounter difficult people at work. You may encounter people, maybe someone over you, that are hard to love. They're difficult to love. So how do you do that? Now, I know what you're saying in your mind. How can this lesson help with your five? It doesn't seem to fit. Well, guess what? It fits exactly what you need for your five. Your five, if they are people that you love, people that are close to you, your five knows very well of your work situation because it just kind of comes out. It comes out in conversations. It comes out in things you say, things you do. And they know very well how you handle your work situation, especially a difficult work situation. And friends, that will spiritually impact your five. We're coming up to the time of the year that a lot of people end up getting end-of-the-year bonuses. For example, how about the guy named David? David uh, took a little temporary holiday job from Thanksgiving to Christmas uh, uh, to make a little extra money. He was working at a store. Well, wasn't it nice? Uh, he received a ham as his Christmas bonus. Only worked there about a month and received a ham as his Christmas bonus. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I probably need to tell you that David is a practicing Orthodox Jew. Do you see the problem? Okay. Well, how about Joe? Joe Smith. 
He was another holiday temp. He took a job uh, at a business uh, to make a little extra money. He received a handwritten letter of thanks from his boss as his bonus. And you're saying to yourself, well, isn't that nice, you know, to have a handwritten note from your boss? I need to tell you that in that note, the boss misspelled his name four times. Joe Smith, not Joe Smythe, not Joe Smith. How about one more? A guy on the East Coast, he lives on the East Coast, works on the East Coast. Uh, he received a sealed envelope full of coupons worth over $500. You know, all you had to do was go into the store and no purchase required, just pick up your free item. Boy, Lessel, that sounds great. You know, $500 worth of free stuff. Um, it was for stores on the West Coast. Okay, here's the last one. Francis. Francis uh, received a $1,000 Estee Lauder cosmetic makeover. Now, now the girls up here are getting excited. Hey, a $1,000 uh, cosmetic makeover, that's exciting. Uh, Francis is a 62-year-old single man. Now, I hope none of you have bosses like that. But even if you do, bosses that don't care, bosses that are difficult, bosses that are rotten, you can still experience God's grace at work. You can still be a mighty witness for your five. You can enjoy God's favor even if you have a rotten boss. Let's go back to that verse 18. Verse 18. Servants, be submissive. Be submissive to your masters. Let's substitute the word boss. Okay, let's put the word boss in place of master there. In that culture back then, it was masters. In our culture today, it would be bosses, people over us. Servants, be submissive to your masters, or workers, be submissive to your boss. With all fear, not only to the good and gentle. Hey, it's easy for me to work here. This is a dream job. Right, Billy? Amen. we got a dream job. We work with great people. We have uh, fantastic elders and deacons, and uh, we just love it here. But guess what? Some of you don't have bosses like that. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, to the guys that are rotten, to the core. I remember back when I was in college, to make a little extra money, I, I worked at a, believe it or not, I worked at a radio station. Now, I was not a DJ, okay, Pat, I was not a DJ. I, I actually uh, ran the computer system for the, uh, for the station. It was a computerized station, and I did some of their electrical work, some electronic work. At one time, we went from 12 employees down to four employees. Everybody got fired except me and the three family members. That boss was a little difficult. 
You may have a boss like that. You can still enjoy God's favor even if you have a boss like that. If you want to find God's grace at work, if you want to find fulfillment and joy in your labor, if you want to spiritually impact your five, then submit to your boss. Joy in your work. Now there's a difference between joy and happiness. We talked about that in the past. Joy in your work does not come from external circumstances. It comes from the inner attitude of the heart. As you do your work, for who? For the Lord's sake. Go back up to verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. We'll talk more about that tonight, Lord willing. We're doing this for God. We're doing it for the Lord. We're doing it to have a positive impact on your five. For as a believer, you're working for a much bigger purpose than to make a, a miserable boss or a difficult customer happy. You're working to bring what honor? To bring glory to who? The Lord who appreciates even cups of cold water given in His name. See God. See God behind your boss. And it will help you, I believe, immensely. Submit to your boss, even if he or she is rotten. Then experience grace. Look at verse 19 of our text. For this is commendable. In other words, way to go, Christian. It's commendable. If because of conscience toward God, what's the reason? It's how we relate to God. One endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. To suffer unjustly is a way to experience God's grace. Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking military officer ever held by the Viet Cong. The prisoner of war camp, they ended up nicknaming it the Hanoi Hilton. But it wasn't like a Hilton. It was hard. It, it was difficult. Admiral Stockdale, since he was the big cheese, they tried to force him. They tried to force him to do things they didn't want to do. They tried to force him to portray the fact that, uh, the, which wasn't true, that the prisoners were being taken care of uh, gently. He refused to do it. He, he took a stool and actually banged his face to the point that they were going to film him and force him to say the words. So he beat himself up with a stool. So he wouldn't be able to do their film. 
he was probably the one man that probably inspired more of our prisoners in that prisoner camp than any other prisoner. When he finally got out after eight long years, he had a severe limp. He had other medical problems. But what did his fellow prisoners say? Because he took it. Because he never gave up. We didn't give up. The conditions were horrible, but we kept on saying, if Admiral Stockdale can do it, hey, we can do it too. The fact is this, God often uses harsh conditions to do His greatest work in your lives. He uses adversity to impose His richest blessings. It's a fact of Christianity. It's a fact of a Christian that the Christian experiences life. It's a series of peaks and valleys. And his efforts to get permanent possession of your soul. And God wants permanent possession of your soul. God relies on the valleys more than the peaks. How you handle the valleys... And how you handle the valleys as portrayed to your five will have a big say on how you end up either converting them or not converting them. Endure the hardship. Submit to your boss even if he or she treats you unfairly and what experience God's grace. More than that, submit to your boss and fulfill your calling. Verse 21, for to this you were called. Okay, Peter, give us the reason for our calling. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us and circle this word. Circle this word in your Bible. Highlight it. Example. That you should follow his steps. Follow his steps. The word for example here in Greek is kind of interesting. It's literally the word underwriting. And it was a concept used by teachers in the day of Jesus to teach children how to write their letters. Now, writing materials were limited. So what a teacher would do is he would take the writing material and he would write the letters on that material, and then each student would come up and what they would trace, they would underwrite following the pattern of the teacher. We are following the pattern of our Lord. In the same way, Jesus lived His life before us. So copy His example Write the story of your life exactly as he lived his. And step where he stepped. What's the example that Jesus left for you to copy? Verse 22. Who committed no sin? Shoot for that. That's your target. Now, will you hit it? No. We're not going to be perfect. But you can't hit the target unless you shoot for it.
who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, fought back. He hit him hard. Does it say that? I don't think it does. When he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him, God, who judges righteously. Instead of retaliating, as I think I would have, Jesus cried from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Then right before he died, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Even though Jesus was treated unfairly here on this earth, he did not seek revenge. Instead, he committed himself to God who did treat him fairly. Now that's the example that Jesus wants you to copy, even on the job. Your five, if they're close to you, and I'm assuming that your five are close to you, your five know how you handle that rotten boss. They know how you act at work, and it will influence them either to the good or to the bad. Don't trust people to make things right Instead, trust God and love the people with whom you work. To be with those who've gone on before. Oh, won't that be glory? But to live with those here below. Well, that's a different story. Some people are difficult to love. I will admit, some people are just rub you the wrong way. Love them despite how they treat you. Love them as Jesus loves them. Then live to righteousness. Do what's right even if everybody else is doing what's wrong. So what does that mean? Now if your boss asks you to do something wrong, you politely refuse. You do what's right. Verse 24, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. I told you that this book is practical. I told you that this book will help you dealing with your five. And it does. Shirley Dodgert of Teague, Texas, did something that I would never, ever do. On her 54th birthday, she decided that she wanted to take up skydiving. Now, what they do is an instructor will go through and tell you how to do it, and then they'll take you up in a plane, and actually you are attached to your instructor. The two of you jump out, And then you, as a student, you pull the main cord and the parachute comes out. And if there's any problems, you know, your instructor helps you and you land on the ground. That's not exactly what happened for Shirley. 
her mane did not open. Don't worry, we got a reserve. The reserve was pulled by the instructor. Unfortunately, when the reserve came out, the mane tried to come out, and the mane and the reserve got tangled up. So the reserve is not fully deployed. So what does it do? It slowed them down. They're now only traveling about 30, 35 miles an hour, but guess what? They're not going to hit softly on the ground. They're going to hit the ground going about 35 miles an hour. That's not a good thing. The instructor told Shirley, spread your legs. Why? Well, she didn't know, but she went ahead and spread her legs. The instructor, what he did is he slipped around and got on the back side of the other side of Shirley, and now he is going to be the first one to hit the ground. He hit the ground, serving as a cushion for Shirley. Shirley walked away with just minor, minor scratches. The instructor was paralyzed from the chest down. Guess what? That's the story of Jesus, what He did for us. Jesus took the punishment. Jesus took our stripes, as it says, so that we could have life, real life. He bore it all. Verse 25. Don't miss this verse. This is powerful. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Aren't sheep cute? You know, you take a bunch of little sheep, you know, they're cute. Growing up on the farm, we did not have sheep. But there was a, a guy down the road from us who had sheep. And occasionally I would help him out as a good neighbor. Now, I had been around goats. And some of you have goats. And goats are not dumb. You know, they have some intelligence. They're not as intelligent as a dog, but they have some intelligence. I'm here to tell you, sheep are the dumbest animals I've ever, ever encountered. It's like someone has come in and just removed their brains. They're dumb. Here is what happens with pregnant sheep. When a when a sheep becomes pregnant, when they start to deliver, deliveries come quick. But here's what a sheep will do. If a pregnant sheep is out in the pasture and it is ready to deliver, it will just sit down. That's okay because uh, God has given the sheep the ability to uh, basically uh, take care of itself. You know, a delivery, uh, a mother sheep can deliver by herself. Except if the sheep is on a hillside and if the sheep sits down pointing downhill, the sheep is not smart enough to turn itself around. And it will try to push that baby out 
And because of gravity, you know, going uphill, because of gravity, the sheep can't do it. And the sheep and the baby, in the matter of just a few minutes, will die. So what do you have to do if you have sheep? When you have one that's pregnant, you pay special attention to them and you keep them away from the hillsides. You know what? Often in my life, I'm like a dumb sheep. I'm stubborn like that pregnant sheep trying to push that baby out but pointed downhill. I'm stubborn and yes, I know sin is there and yes, I still do it and it's because I think I can handle it on myself. Hey, I've got this. I, I'm the master of my own ship. Uh, I can pull myself up with my own bootstraps. I can do it. I need the shepherd. I need the shepherd to rescue me, to help me. And he does. Remember, doing the right work with the right attitude and the right spirit is immensely important, especially for your five. Do you want your five to go to heaven? More likely, your five will only go to heaven if you do something to help them to come to know Jesus and obey Jesus. The most important thing you bring home from your work is not your paycheck. The most important thing you bring home from work is you and your example. A Christian should be the very best employee at work. A Christian should be the shining example at work. Always. Steve, Susan, Hector, Amelia, Mary, H.T., Deborah, Billy Sue, Fran, Matthew, Agnes, Kelly. That's just the tip of the iceberg. These are just some of the people that I personally know who are not Christians today. And the primary reason they're not Christians today is because a Christian at work was a bad influence. A Christian at their work was not a Christian at work. His or her speech was not a Christian speech. His or her actions were not Christian actions. His or her example was not what a Christian should be. Trash. That's what their life is going to be if those people don't obey. And right now, there's very little chance that those people ever will obey because 
a Christian was not a Christian at work. Final reminder, don't make your five like that. Trash. Your five are watching. So let's live for Jesus 24-7, even during work time. What's it take to become a Christian? You know how I end every lesson. I've been doing this for 40-something years. You must believe. You must repent. You must confess. You must be baptized. I could pick several, several verses that teach those steps. I have selected these verses because these are the words of Jesus. You're not going to argue with me. You're arguing with Jesus. Okay? As a Christian, as a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. The, stir, the church here stands ready to pray for you and with you. James 5, 16. Two of our elders are going to be up here at the front. Will you take the steps to influence your five? Will you obey the Lord today? Will you make your life right? Andy has a song designed to encourage you to make this decision. Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement?